Well, good morning, church. We will be in Revelation this morning. Pesh Mike, would you mind going back to my office and get my Bible, please? I remember my notes. <laughs> um, and as we get started this morning, we'll be in Revelation chapter 10. Revelation chapter 10, and we're going to continue looking at the coronation of the Almighty, of King Jesus. As we've studied that Jesus came as a baby, he promised to come. He went to the cross, rose from the dead for our sins. And not only that, but then he promised to come back again to make all things new. And Revelation is the story of the fulfillment of his promise to come back as the king. And this morning we're going to look at proclaiming the king, saying to other people, hey, our king reigns. So what are some of the events in your life that require an invitation? This is open now. I'm asking this question literally. What are some of the things that you go to or you know of that you have to have an invitation to go there? Weddings? Birthday parties? Wiener Rose, yes, I'm waiting for that one. <laughs> What's that? Baby showers? Bridal showers? And these are a big deal. Has anybody ever been part of a corporate event where you had to have a special invitation to get in there? Huh? Too fancy. I'm thinking like there's these, like, uh, I know a friend of mine that got invited at the Daytona 500 for one of the box seats up top, which is like a kajillion dollars a person. And ironically enough, they just give the tickets away. So I had thought of a few of these. There's a things in life that we have happened that you require an invitation. And typically, in most cases, people are excited about them. They're a big deal. So we send out these invitations and the cool thing is, people still love getting these literally in the mail. Except sometimes when it's a wedding, and the, the, the wedding is in Guam or Hawaii, and you know you just got the invitation so you could write the check and say, yeah, I paid my surcharge, you know. But we also have these graduations that are a big deal. We have baby showers, and my parents just had a 50th wedding anniversary. That was a great big deal because in the generation of, that are beyond that, we probably will be really excited to see 20s and 30s. But these are great big deals. And when we have kids, when we get married, when we have birthday parties, when there's a big graduation after a long ordeal, like you made it through graduate school. Good job. Yes. And you invite people. What are you doing? What's the big deal? You're celebrating it. And in order to celebrate it, you're going to tell other people about it. Because there's nothing worse than having a birthday party and two people show up, and that was accidental because they got stuck in the snow in front of your house. So we're going to look at this morning of proclaiming the king. What does it take to invite? What, is this a big enough deal that we will send out an invitation? We will go into our community and say, hey, I know of something really good to which you need to be a part of. And there is an event coming that I would really like for you to be a part of. 
you are, how many grandkids you got, or we have now, Deb, that are planning weddings? Is it 30 or 40 now? There's three planning weddings right now. And guess who the big planner in the family is, Deb? Anybody surprised by that? You guys get to know her. She can, like, orchestrate everything. So we have all these grandkids calling, and they want to proclaim this upcoming wedding, and they want to know who to invite. We do this on a regular basis in life. How do we do this for Jesus? Well, let's open up Revelation chapter 10 and see. We'll start in chapter 10, verse 1, and look at a little scroll, verses 1 through 7. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud, with a rainbow over his head, and his face was like the sun, and his legs like pillars of fire. And he had a little scroll open in his hand. And he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And he called out with a loud voice, like a lion roaring. When he called out, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever who created heaven and what is in it the earth and what is in it the sea and what is in it that there would be no more delay but in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel the mystery of God would be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants the prophets so the little scroll what's a big deal about this little scroll we got another angel comes down and puts one foot in the sea, one foot on the land, and he's got this little scroll. Seven thunders sound. In the book of Revelation, we've got a lot of sevens. We have seven scrolls, we've got seven trumpets, and now we have seven thunders. Now you're in the street, you're at work, and somebody at work or in the neighborhood has read Revelation chapter 10, and they come to you and say, hey, I noticed there's these seven thunders. What's that all about? What's your answer? Mm-hmm. He didn't want you to know. How many of you have had kids that have asked you, but why? Or workers that say, but why? All day. I learned a new porky, porky, porky. You know, I learned that yesterday hanging out with my buddy. There was a Spanish guy next door. He kept going, why, 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 why? We ask God, why? What's going on? Because Revelation has done a really good job of saying, hey, what is happening here? And then it explains to you what it is. The seven thunders, God says, I got this. John, I know you know, but seal it back up. You mean the king has the right to make a plan and we don't know all the details? Are you okay with that? Because you're gonna, I'm going to ask you to proclaim the king's plan to your neighborhood, do you have to know all of it? Do we know all of it? The king's plan is revealed in Revelation is enough that we know, but not all that we need, all that there is to be known. Does that make sense? Joan, you're looking at me like, how are we going to get to Connecticut? Just get in the car and shut up. Right? God's going, hey, we're going to end this. I'm coming back to rain. God, how are you going to do? What are the seven thunders? I got it. But what's it say? Look at verse 7. 
Remember, we don't know what the seven thunders are, but verse 7, but in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel. What's he saying? But in the days when it's coming up, the seventh angel is going to sound the seventh trumpet, and it's going to unveil, unveil the mystery of God. We've studied the seven trumpet, six trumpets. So the seventh trumpet is going to unveil God's mystery. What is it? We're going to get there today. But just remember, verse 7 is in chapter 10. Seventh trumpet will reveal God's plan. The king has given his word to his people. See, it says right there, just as he announced to his servants the prophets. Just as he's told you. The seventh trumpet will be the revealing of what he's already told the prophets. This is going to come true. This is what you know about this. So at the same time in this chapter, we have stuff that you don't know about, seven thunders. But in the same time, the seventh tr uh, trumpet is going to reveal God's mystery. And we'll get there this morning. So let's move to chapter 10, verses 8 through 11. Proclaiming the plan. John then hears a voice. Then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, Take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, you must again prophesy about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings, proclaiming the king's plan. John literally consumes it. That was a bit of honey. And then when he gets to his belly, it's like mustard and milk mixed together. It tasted good, but then the effects of it. John literally consumes God's plan. John literally consumes the unknown about this seven thunders. Why? Look at the end of the verse. What we studied. Why? You've got to tell this, John. You have to prophesy. You have to tell the people the king's plan. We don't know all of the king's plan, but what we do know we must tell. The angel has this little scroll. Seven thunders goes off. John's like, oh, i got to write that down too. God says, no, hold on to that information. But then when the seventh trumpet goes, we're going to unveil this plan. Now eat it. How many of us consume what God has told us in his word to interact with it? If God was there, you've got to imagine John. There's all this stuff going on, and an angel says, eat the scroll. There was no debate. But I'd have been like, oh, that's, that's a weird. Well, what's he teaching us? God is unveiling his plan. I want this to become part of you, John. This isn't just for them. This isn't just for, hey, that's for unveiling the scroll, reading the Bible on Sundays. I want you to be interacting with this in such a way that it is in you. Now, the real deal part. Is reading God's word all puppies and rainbows and Facebook and likes? You've sinned. 
You need reconciliation with God. It's sometimes not good news, is it? Because we as Americans, don't tell me I don't know how to do my job. Don't tell me how to live my life. God's word is confrontational at times. It is comforting at times. I love it that it goes all the breath of what it takes. When you are heartbroken and beat up by life, there are psalms, there are parts that go there. There are prophets that have gone through that, and you can read their story. There are people in the Bible that have really, really dealt honestly with God, and it's recorded for us. And there's other times when it records and when things don't go well. It's real deal to life. How do you interact with it? Then if you have, are you willing to proclaim that? Because John eats it, and they say, now that you've eaten it, you've got to go tell how many people? How many people at the end of that chapter is he responsible to tell? Everyone. Everybody. It's just not your neighborhood. And John didn't have email, mass marketing. You know, this has been another part where I've been like, for real, you want me to tell the whole world? What's Jesus' point? The king. This isn't about you. This isn't all about you. And hey, I got a check mark because I read three verses in my Bible. No, it's because you've read your Bible, interact with your Bible, then you can go proclaim it to others. Interact with people. So we've looked at the right of the king to make his plan, and then we're going to, we've studied proclaiming that plan. Now let's look at two incredible proclaimers, two ambassadors in chapter 11, verse 1 through 14. These two ambassadors. <clears throat> then I was given a measuring rod like a staff, and I was told, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there. But do not measure the court outside the temple. Leave that out. For it is given over to the nations, and they will trample over the holy city for 42 months. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. Verse 4. These are the two olive trees and two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone would harm them, fire pours from their mouth and consumes their foes. If anyone would harm them, this is how he is doomed to be killed. They have the power to shut the sky, that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying. And they have the power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire. And when they had finished their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street in the great city that is symbolically is called Sodom and Egypt, where their Lord was crucified. For three and a half days, some of the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and exchange presents because these two prophets had been a torment to those who dwell on the earth. But after three and a half days, a breath of life from God entered them, and they stood up on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. Then they heard with a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here! And they went up into heaven in a cloud, and their enemies watched them. And at that hour there was a great earthquake, and the tenth of the city fell. Seven thousand people were killed in the earthquake, and the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is to come. 
So we have two amazing ambassadors, two witnesses for the king. And the camera zooms in to Israel. Then it zooms in on the two people. These are very special people for three and a half years. If harmed, they are given the power to kill by breathing fire. How many would like to have had that last week at work? That's some bad breath, isn't it? If somebody tries to harm these two ambassadors for the king, they can kill with their breath of fire. And they're given power to control the climate. No rain for three and a half for their tenure as ambassadors, for three and a half years. They have the, if they will, they can say, it's not going to rain in Florida for three and a half years. That might get some people's attention. It might get some people's attention that if somebody tries to harm them while they're standing in Jerusalem, that they can breathe fire and they die. They have the power to turn water to blood during their tenure as ambassadors. They have the power over devastating plagues during their tenure as ambassadors. Why? Why? Two superheroes from heaven. There's a lot of conjecture of who these two are, and I won't get into that now. Let's say they're two special ambassadors from God. Why are they given this power? Because they have to tell the people about the king. Get this. What is the king doing? I've unleashed all this fury on the earth. Do I have your attention yet? Then he sends two special people to Israel to Jerusalem. The camera zooms in on them. He gives them the authority to do these miraculous things. Why? For their testimony. What are they saying? What is the purpose of God sending them? Jesus is king. Jesus is love. Jesus wants the relationship with you. It's going to get worse from here on out. The message of Jesus Christ has not changed. Whether we, I want you to think about this. This is God's way of sending grace to people for three and a half years. Because the wording is, if they are harmed, they will do this. It's not like they come down and say, oh, there's a new guy, burn up. So, because God has sent them as proclaimers, preachers, teachers, Tellers, communicators, as ambassadors. That is what the word testimony is. These are the two witnesses for Jesus. It's three and a half years of grace. Then their time is up. Proclamation time is over. Now, for a second. God calls you to go to your community and say it's Ocala. And he says, I want you to tell people about me that I'm the king. You've got the power to kill people with your breath. You can control the climate and you can control plagues. And I want you to go out and do this. Would you sign up? You're given all these powers. And then, oh, by the way, you're only going to live three and a half years. Because I've got a plan. And it includes your death. 
Are you willing to be a proclaimer to tell people about Jesus if you know in the end that it might cost you your life, your reputation? Because we just thinking about it, and this is going to happen in the future. These two witnesses are in Jerusalem, and we got CNN, we've got Fox News, we've got everything in there, just zooming in. We can watch this like it's the Olympics. Oh, there went fire again. Somebody tried to hit him with a rocket. Africa's in a plague. It hasn't rained in three and a half years in some other place. They're doing all these reports. And God has sent him to be an ambassador on a death mission. Because imagine in heaven right now, there are two people assigned this job. If you were in heaven and God said, would you be my ambassador and do this for me and it's going to cost you your life, would you sign up? God's called you to be an ambassador in your community and the workplace. Are you going to sign up if it costs you your race, if it costs you your reputation in the community? And when the time for their proclaiming was the king is finished, the beast rises from the unlocked pit from the fifth trumpet and kills them. They're left dying in the street. Lying in the street. Buzzards and all that's happening to them. They're decaying. And how does the world react when God's ambassadors are killed? It's Christmas at Macy's. People are giving gifts. Whoa, they're dead. They're dead. They're cheering this on. Who are they cheering for? The beast that comes out of this pit that can actually kill them. Look at this. God's got a plan. He shows grace. And part of that is sending ambassadors that will cost them their life. And part of the plan is allowing the appearance that the enemy wins for days. Imagine CNN then. They're dead. Wow. Send me a gift card to Cabela's. They're dead. Then the king, then the breath of life from God enters them and they stand up. Look at his plan. Who's still in control? Jesus is. The king's still in control. Are you willing to put yourself in a situation where the king can use you like this to tell his story through you? Then with a loud voice, the king yells, Come up here! Everybody gets to watch. And as they go up, another earthquake happens in Jerusalem. A tenth of Jerusalem falls and 7,000 people die. Because the king is telling his story through people that are telling his story. Terror strikes the living. And there are some there that give glory to the king. Israel's king. Where does this take place? Jerusalem. Who's watching? Who's waited for their king to come back? And imagine Israel at this time. They've got two people with the power of God to talk about their Messiah. They can kill people. Then they're dead. 
Then they watch and literally hear their king call them back up. So we've seen the camera zoom down into Israel, zoom down into Jerusalem, zoom down onto the street. Then we're going to pan back and move the camera back up into heaven. And let's talk about that seventh trumpet. Verse 15 in chapter 11. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our God and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to You, Lord God Almighty, who was and is. For you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came. The time for the dead to be judged and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, both small and great, for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake and heavy hail. The seventh trumpet goes off. The mystery is revealed. What is that mystery? The king reigns. At this point in our series, this seems anti-climatic, doesn't it? Because I've said this like 30,000 times. The seventh trumpet goes off. The mystery that is revealed is our God reigns. He is taking reign, right? He is in action now. So you're on earth and you're seeing everything happen. You're on in heaven and you're looking at what everything is going on. The seventh trumpet goes off and lo and behold, that is a signifier to the angelic host that King Jesus is ruling now. He is taking reign of the earth. Does it look like it on earth of what you know right now for what we've gone through? No. We think, hey, it's good that we have a good president because now we all have jobs, lower taxes, blah, 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 blah. Remember the Reagan years, right? We like to ascribe to our ruler that he is worthy after they've done something. Heaven ascribes authority to this ruler right in the middle of Revelation. We have got a ways to go. We're halfway through the book. And the angelic host says, the king reigns now, and he's starting his rule. Yes! Is it okay if the king is ruling right now and it doesn't look like it, according to our news feed? According to what's happened in Florida last week? Where's God? How many of you heard that this week? I mean, you thought that this week. It's okay if you kill our boys and son girls that signed up for the army and they go across seas. They're in the military and that's okay. But you start shooting up our kids in the schoolhouse. That's wrong, God. You are out of control. Is he allowed to tell his story in order to get people's attention so they have a relationship with him for an invitation to an event that is coming at the end of this book? That's hard to swallow in real life. So in the middle of Revelation, the seventh trumpet goes off, and what is the big announcement? King Jesus reigns, and he's doing something. What is he going to do? Look at the lyrics of the song. 
Right there, verse 17. We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty. What is the first thing out of the mouth of the most powerful angels created? Thank you. Who else is watching this story and cannot wait for the king to reign and to start his action? The angelic host who get to sit around the throne room. They scratch their proverbial heads too. The seven trumpet sounds and the first thing out of your, their mouth is, thank you. Then the lyrics go on to pinpoint with accuracy King Jesus' reign. Wrath upon the raging nations. And it's time for him to judge the dead. It's time to reward those who have chosen to follow their king. And in those rewards are specific for the prophets. Think of Isaiah. Think of Jeremiah. Think of Ezekiel. And think of Zechariah and the other minor prophets who long time ago prophesied the king is king and he will rule the earth. And it's been a long time. Their bones now are dust. And in heaven, the angelic hosts sing, yes, it's time to reward those prophets for their faithful duty. Those people who told people about God's view of what's going on. Every follower of Jesus gets rewarded for what they have done. Every person who fears the name of the King. What in the world does fear mean here? These are people who love God and love Jesus, but have seen Him work and go, whoa. And finally, there the king reigns and he's going to smash. He's going to destroy the destroyers. What is King Jesus doing that the angelic hosts are so excited about? He's mitigating justice finally. To those who did not know him, Pol Pot, Hitler, Tsar, all of those we can think of. There were horrible people. And you can say, those who murdered bunches of people. Well, God, what are you doing? Hold on, I got a plan. It's my right as the king to judge them, and I will someday. It's not your job. But what about my aunt who loved you and followed you, and nobody else came to know you because of her, and she prayed all the time? I know I will reward her someday. What about that person at work who hated you and always cussed me out because of my reputation for you? I've got that. I'll take care of that someday. What about the angels who look at the demons, the fallen angels, and say, what about them? You've let them loose forever. I'm going to destroy them. They got it coming. Can you see why this song begins with, thank you? How many of us this week can look at what happened in our world and wait for God to get in action? And then when he does, be like, yes! Then what happens? The temple of God opens up and the Ark of the Covenant is revealed. Short lesson, what's the Ark of the Covenant? The world's most expensive Bible cover. It's where the Word of God was kept. What's revealed in heaven next? God's Word. 
I told you, through the prophets, think Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. What are they going back to? That's right. He told us here. I took a picture of it this week. It's in here. This isn't new news. At the end of, after this song, they open the Ark of the Covenant. And how does, the, how does nature react to the opening of God's word that said, he had a plan, now he's doing it, we're worshiping him. Oh, yeah, here it is. Thunder, lightning, hail. Why are you given God's word? Not only that you should know, but why? Why was John given God's word? Why was John given the seven trumpets, seven thunders, and said, don't write this down? Every time God's word is given, why? So you can share it. It's not about you. It's about proclaiming it. So we must proclaim the king. Because what do we have now that John did not have when this all started? The book of Revelation. He had Ezekiel Daniel. He had some of the early writings in the beginning of your book or beginning of the New Testament. God has given us his word to proclaim it to others. Know it, live it, consume it. Then tell others about it. Interact with people as if the two ambassadors are us. The entire weirdness of what is going on in these two chapters is about telling people about Jesus. The king, the king who reigns, the king who is revealed, the king who we must submit, the king who is good. So how do we proclaim him as a local church? What are we going to do as a local church to proclaim Jesus? Huh? I can't hear you. Easter, yes. We're getting ready to celebrate Easter and Mother's Day. We will unveil a plan to reach our communities very soon. Are you on board to do that? Because I preached and say, hey, it's about proclaiming God's word. Now, what do we do as a local church? What does the community say about what that church is? I'd love to know. Well, that's a weird-looking roof thing over there, and they got a big backyard. But we will do this. Are you willing to get on board when the plan is revealed on how to do this, to reach people at Easter and Mother's Day? So what do we do as a church to proclaim this this week? How do you interact with other people in the local church to proclaim what is Jesus' reign? What does your life proclaim? Does it proclaim anything? What does it proclaim? Because our lives are living testimonies of what we know from God and His Word because we've interacted with it. Now, to step back here for a second. What our church is proclaiming to our community now is really weird. Here's we've done something very weird. 
We received a couple phone calls about this. We're actually helping another church with is completely separate than us meet here on Saturday and use the building and put up another sign. We've received phone calls like, what are y'all doing? You quitting? You closing up shop? No, we're helping another church. Guess what? They're bigger than us already. And they've come to us to ask for help. We're working hard so they do well. The community, I've been approached this morning by a neighbor who came over just to ask me about it and didn't have any intention of attending service this morning. What are you all doing? You weird? You're having a service and I saw a different sign out there last night. What are you all about? That is weird. Who opens up a McDonald's so Wendy's can use it on Saturdays? Huh? Terry, I know you own a business, right? So Saturday, let Schneider run your truck, said no one ever. You wouldn't let them drivers use their trucks. Those guys have like two weeks' experience before they get hired on. Robbie, you got all them tools at the shop. Oh, Saturday, just let blah, blah, use your tools, said no one ever. We are building God's kingdom. When the pastor of that church approached us and said, hey, we're just looking for a building, we're like, cool. And he's like, no way. Everybody in town has turned us down. I was like, if you mow the grass, that would be awesome. (laughs) I'll negotiate terms. Pastor Michael has invested hours to equip, to put in place People who can lead music. The lead pastor of that church heard him sing here and went, we want that. And he goes, no, you don't want me. You want what I do, and I want to train you to do it. I'll give you three months. What's he doing? Helping them to become leaders, to lead other leaders. And what does it benefit us? Well, I had to run the sweeper a little extra. I had to rearrange chairs again. They're working really hard to make it look like what it is here on Sunday for us. You mean helping people reach people for Jesus when it costs you something and you don't get anything in return and it looks weird to the community is a good idea. And the answer is, are you willing to join in that craziness? Because you guys know well enough, you've been here two weeks and you know me, and I got this long beard, and you got Pastor Michael and you got Pastor Ryan. And I asked those kids, Dominic and Steven, who remembers what it was like before Dominic and Steven got here? Who now knows it's a lot different? Them boys run on what, 400 octane? But I didn't have a clue what Jesus says. Be like me trying to drive a split transmission from 1954 in a Detroit. Not humanly possible. But I wanted to interview them to interview them this morning so you would hear their story about reaching out to them. And when you do and you interact in ways for Jesus, it creates chaos. It goes not as you necessarily planned, and it looks weird for the neighbors. You get phone calls saying, what in the world's going on? There's a sign over your sign. Yeah, it's their building on Saturdays. Go for it. Cheer them on. We want to be active. We want to be participants in our community. We want to help you to interact with your workplace to invite people. And it's coming. Easter is big. 
Mother's Day, huge. We did things last year. It's coming up. Will you be willing to interact as a group, as together, part of the team called the local church to proclaim Jesus because he's got a plan and events coming to which we want them to be on the winning team? Amen? Let's pray.